Welcome to the Independent Artist Podcast, sponsored by the National Association of Independent Artists. Also sponsored by Zapplication. I'm Will Armstrong, and I'm a mixed media artist. I'm Douglas Sigworth, glassblower. Join us as we explore the topics that affect the lives and livelihoods of art show artists. Welcome back to the podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Here we are. I'm fresh off the road from the shortened Austin Armadillo Bazaar. Douglas, it's nice to see you. You've been busy at work in the studio. We have been, and it's holiday week, so we're all just trying to trying to get stuff done for our businesses, but also get stuff done for family. And that's been a crazy situation. I'm sure I could imagine that glass is a pretty giftable object for uh, for people in, in the, around the holidays. So I hope you've been shipping a lot of packages. We have. But I wanted to bring up that we had promised that this was going to be an episode that we sat down with Ben Fry and talked about that survey. But we're going to have to postpone that on to the next one, all the figuring out when in the schedule that we could all three of us sit down and have a talk about it wasn't going to happen until the new yep. year. So Got that, a little tricky. Ben's in Paris right now. He has a, a, his lovely girlfriend lives there in Paris and he's spending the holidays out there. So lucky Ben. You didn't need to be. I, right. I don't want to sit down in Paris and talk about art shows and data. <laughs> He you wants know, to it's... like have croissants and you know all that good stuff. <laughs> mm, baguette. <laughs> <laughs> so what we promise we'll do that first thing in 2022 when we start season two. But yeah, tell us about Armadillo. How was everything for your show? I it was cool to dip my toe into that one. Um, you know, I think I went into that one a little bit tired after one of a kind. I don't know that I would necessarily do both of those in the same year again. Oh. Um, but I was really impressed with the way the folks ran the show. They're uh, really, uh, they've created this beautiful family run event. Uh, the people that work for them are, they all feel like just a unit of just tight togetherness. Uh, there's a lot of care, a lot of kindness, a lot of respect for the artists. It felt like one of those shows that's going to pay off for me in the future. Oh. I met a lot of future clients, a lot of people that were building and renovating and mm -hmm. had a great time listening to the music. It, it did not immediately pay off for me. Um, I made it enough money to feel like it was worth it. It didn't blow the doors off of it. I know a lot of people did, but mm -hmm. um, I don't know. It felt like I could uh, grow there if I wanted to. I've, I've noticed that with some holiday-themed shows where where it's like people are going with a singular focus, maybe for you know gifts for mom, and then yeah. they're thinking about themselves for down the road. So it is a good opportunity this time of the year to plant seeds. True, and I don't think that uh, David Bjurstrom would mind me name-dropping him. I know he had a really successful weekend, yeah. so it is a market for fine art. I have this idea that I want to sit down and talk with him as maybe a segment of next year and talk about surprising people, because I feel like why I did well at One of a Kind is like a lot of my sales were surprise mm -hmm. sales. Mm -hmm. I They didn't expect to see me, mm -hmm. um, whereas maybe Armadillo, they did expect to see the themes and body of work that I bring to the table with all of my music themes, since yeah. it is a music-themed show. David doesn't do any of that. So it'd be interesting to talk to him about those kind of surprises and whether it's better to be in a show as um, some, something that people don't expect to see versus what they do. So uh, yeah, it could be an, an interesting segment down the line. Cool. You know, another thing about Armadillo, Douglas, it, it, not just is it a family-run kind of thing, mm -hmm. uh, they have a staff that consists mostly of folks that do uh, Renaissance fairs, oh, Ren really? fairs. 
Yeah. And these people are used to running a fair like every single weekend. Mm -hmm. So they have this staff that kind of comes in and runs a Renaissance fair in different places. And it's interesting to know that there's a parallel with the art shows. Like Mm -hmm. you have these people that, that only do one art show out of the year, but they're used to getting people in places and out of places. And it's interesting that the armadillo people just hired a staff that already exists. So, um, I don't know. Kind of cool. There's like a logistical thing that can be repeated that they can come in, repeat the formula and have things go off without a hitch. Right. And I mean, I said to one of their their people and they're like, well, are you ready for loadout? And I'm like, yeah, you know, I mean, it sounds like it's just going to kind of be a nightmare and I'm going to have to. And she was like, nope, not on my watch. It's not a nightmare. We're getting your ass out of here and on the street. And I'm like, no, no lot okay. age for Will Armstrong. No way, man. Uh, it was cool. I, I was really impressed. And, and I thought that was a really cool way to kind of think outside of the box for show directors cool. to hire a staff that already kind of exists. So um, uh, definitely an idea for Texas shows because those uh, women and men know what's up. They're kind too. They're patient mm-hmm. and they've been there. So interesting. Anyway, That's moving cool. on. Thinking back about this past season, we've had so many great guests and I kind of came up with a, a little segment for us, a game. A game? I, it's early, Douglas. I don't know how I'm feeling about games. What do you got? I, <laughs> it's the Independent Artist Trivia Game. We're going to mm. go back and talk a little bit about some of our guests and see if we remember some of the unique stories they told us about Is them. Is this actually just a quiz to see if I'm listening to our own it's, <laughs> I listen to these uh, interviews over and over and over and over and over again as I edit them. There are some interesting little tidbits that stick with okay. me. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I thought I'd highlight it a little bit. All right. I uh, accuse myself of being a little bit more like a golden retriever. I get distracted by a, a bouncing ball or a shiny thing. So uh, we'll see if I paid attention. <laughs> some of them I made kind of easy for you. I think you'll get. But, uh, f- uh, you know, this is for everyone listening to play along, too, and shout out at your phone. Oh, God. <laughs> First section uh, is about previous careers, our guests who had previous careers. And the first question is, which guest of ours uh, took acting classes with the hopes of starring in soap operas someday? Mm. Uh, is that Keena Crow? That was Amber Marshall. Glass uh. blower. Glass blower Amber Marshall. Yeah, that was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> Amber, uh, okay, you know, shout out to Amber. Amber's going through it right now. Her uh, husband, Mike, uh, blew out his Achilles. So, boy, do I feel his pain uh, going into uh, the holiday season and trying to do production work for next year. So, uh, cheers to our good friend, Mike. And uh, my wife would like to send a big cheers out to Amber for having to put up with Mike and to play uh, nurse to him over the next six weeks or however long it takes for him to to get that boot on like it did me. So After I found out about uh, Mike's accident and I brought it up to Will and Will's like, yeah, I knew about it. And by the way, Douglas, it happens in threes. So I've been babying my Achilles <laughs> tendon since I heard about it. <laughs> yeah, be careful out there, folks. It's not a pleasant injury. All right. What's your next question? Uh, which guest graduated with an MFA in theater directing? That would be Stephen King. You're right. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, which guest got their start working in the field of mental health? Um, 
I don't know. You responded to him, maybe that's why I feel so relaxed when I come into your booth, Daryl. <laughs> <laughs> Daryl, nah, that's right. That was even my question. I, I don't remember a damn thing, Douglas. All right, and the next segment is about uh, prestige and honor. Uh, which guest of no ours... No way, you're going to go past theater and you're not going to mention Kena Crow's porno career? Well, everyone remembers the porno career, for crying uh, out loud. All right. All right. I want to see some of those costumes. <laughs> all right, moving on. Uh, the, the topic of prestige, which of our former guests is a direct descendant from a king? Ah, uh, Jaja. Yeah, right. It was Jeremiah yeah. Andrew Jaja. He came from Nigeria and his family is a direct descendant from the king who founded the city that he lives in. And it was King Jaja. So. Little known fact, they actually based coming to America off of our good friend Jaja. <laughs> they did uh, not prior do to his that. Birth. All right, <laughs> moving on. Uh, this is going to be an easy one for you, Will. Uh, which guest was surprised to find Alicia Keys and Halle Berry sharing and commenting on their work on Instagram? That's my man Clifton. That's Henri right. right there. Yes. There you go. They That's liked exciting. his piece Wings, and then he did a reboot on that, and made it even more famous by uh featuring Kamala Harris in the in that image. Yeah, amazing. Uh and a, and a shout out to Clifton. He only has one in that series of the of Wings left. He That's he sold one this past week and he only has one of those showing That's uh amazing. left. So a huge uh piece. I mean it's, it's just one of those those uh kind of career-making kind of pieces of work. So uh, shout out to our good friend Clifton. All right, Cliff. Uh, the next question under Prestige is, which of our previous guests has their own video podcast? Mm, that would be uh, Art by Ty. Ty. Ty Taoli. Yes, he has DOD45, Discussions Over Drawing. I think everyone should go back and check him out. He's doing more episodes every every week. Every week, and a cool little uh, fact, he had a couple of hip-hop artists, uh, Black Liquid, he's going by Black Lick now, and okay. Mopes, uh, that he had on his podcast. That was actually cool to me, because Black Liquid used to have the show after mine at WRIR Independent Radio, so I, I know that guy and, oh. and uh, love his music. It's incredibly inspiring stuff. If you like real hip-hop as far as like real stories and um just real life uh, check that guy out it's incredible so a little shout out to dod 45 and art by ty perfect awesome all right next segment is under the category of stories that guests have told uh from being at shows uh the first one is which of our guests compared the customers walking around with masks on as taking away their tell in poker Oh, man. Uh, was that uh, Get It in the Wayback Machine? Was that the very first interview I did with David Aleski? It was. It was our pilot episode with David Aleski. He was giving us a, a report from the road while we were all still locked down, and he was out doing shows and giving us kind of the, the what's going on out there kind of feel. Yeah. Yeah, very cool. I love the fact that he was able to to give us that first report when we were kind of feeling our way. We weren't, weren't really sure how this uh, podcast thing was going to go at That's that right. point. We weren't sure how we were going to formulate yeah. it. All right. The next question is, which of our guests talked about swapping out their older pieces from collectors with new pieces a couple of years later? Hmm. You know, I remember engaging with that and, and it, it sparking an interest in me, but I can't remember who it was. That was Eric Lee. He said that when he first came out of the gate and he had really great success, a few years later, he looked back at his original body of work and he wanted to update folks. He said, listen, I'm going to take that back from you and I'll replace it with new and improved work. 
That's amazing. I used to I work in this frame shop in Richmond, Virginia, and we had this um, this really nutty oil painter and he never ever would finish his work like he he always thought it was a work in progress and he came in with our boss and unbeknownst to him took one of the oil paintings that we were framing and kept working on it and he he likened himself to like uh one of these duck stamp oil painters okay so this one of his collectors had already bought the painting and he's like well i gotta work on that thing now he was kind of this big foghorn leghorn kind of (laughs) guy and he brought the painting back and he's like yo you boys be careful i say because uh this thing's still wet and we had we framed the damn thing and the the client was super pissed and they wanted to sue us i think they did actually really? sue uh the frame shop because they were like they claimed that it was not the same painting so we had to go back in and and get this guy to either i can't remember if we got him to take it back off because the oil was still wet or uh, what i don't know i was only in my 20s at the time but um That's i see cool. my my paintings are never done boy i see All i right. see son <laughs> <laughs> moving on moving on no more foghorn okay um Oh, this will be an easy one for you, Will. Uh, which of our former guests told us a story about being at a show and their assistant handed off one of their most expensive pieces in the booth for a customer to look at? The customer put it in their pocket and walked away. Um, I don't know. I thought it was going to be an easy one. We were no. talking about jewelers who have theft and they just oh, look at the piece and walk away. Yeah, Deborah just walked Adelson. away. Just, yep, exactly. That's... She said, Mom, <laughs> where did that piece go? And she said, he just left with it. He what? <laughs> he left with it. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, how can I forget that one? All right, what else you got for All me? All right, next is under the category of quotables. These are some kind of funny quotes that I, that I plucked out of the episodes. Uh, who coined the phrase, not my monkeys, not my circus? But I really like circuses. I, I'm starting to feel like I don't actually listen to this podcast. Was that Dahlquist? <laughs> that was our good friend David Bierstrom talking about ah. how him and Carla will tag team on Facebook. Yes, <laughs> yes but he does like circuses. He That's likes right. those yep, circuses. I remember that well. That's right. All right. And then this one is, who said to, about themselves that I'm a contrarian, obstinate, anti-authoritarian personality and whatever you expect I'm going to do, especially when I was young, I'm not going to do. Did I Did I say that? Well, that was you. No. <laughs> <laughs> or Dylan? I don't it even know. It was Dylan. Yeah, it was Dylan. Dylan yeah. A couple episodes ago, Dylan. The episode titled Capital F. So that uh, gives that one right there. Nice. <laughs> uh, who compared themselves to being a composer relating to their work by saying, I write the tunes? <laughs> I don't fucking know that one either. Okay, well, this was one of your guests, and All they right. said, "They said, well, you're a music man. You know uh-huh. how it goes. I write oh, the tunes. Yeah, that was, that was Genna. Genna Grusjefenko, correct? That's right, talking about how yeah, he, he lays the boy. groundwork, and then Signe is the lyricist, and she's yeah. the performer, and she That's gets the beautiful. adoration for it, so... And I, you know, I love the selfless nature of that about, um, and that was one of my, my things I really wanted to talk to them about. And I loved how she gave him credit. Um, Mm -hmm. and I also loved how he didn't necessarily want it. So, uh, I really enjoyed that talk with both of those guys. Yeah. That was the partners in paint, uh, episode 19. I can relate to that. It's that selflessness in working in a partnership, where you're confident in what you bring to the table and you're you're willing to let your partner shine 
and sometimes you get the focus and the, sometimes the other one gets the focus, but it, you're confident in what you contribute to the body of work. Yeah. And you, we've talked about that a bunch over the podcast, but Renee has to sometimes deal with the sexism of glass and right. the fact that, um, oh, well, it's Sigworth and here's here's Douglas. He's the artist, yeah. which um, she gets equal credit. And you're always always very uh, careful to give her that credit, which I think is is uh, is incredibly important. So yeah. cheers to Renee for putting up with your shit. <laughs> All right. Last one under quotables is which of our guests suggested that we title their episode Bang Time? Bang time. Was that him or me? That's Schweckman. That's what Schweckman. That's right. Yeah. It's like, uh, well, it's to all the girls that I didn't bang by Michael Schweckman. Uh, that's, uh, yeah, cheers to cheers to our good friend Michael for that one. That's that's a good memory. Speaking memorable. Of, of Michael, I saw on social how a celebrity acquired one of his F-bombs as a gift this week. I Did saw that. that. It was a talk show host on, uh, what what network was that? CNN, maybe? Uh, yeah, uh, it was, it was one of the news networks, either CNN or MSNBC Schmirk, Yes, that's exactly. The talk show host gave it to his producer. I can only assume because he's dropping F-bombs that need to be edited. Unlike mine. <laughs> okay. Now the next segment is under the title of history lesson. Okay. This is, uh, some history stories that people have told about their past. Mm. How many of our guests have told stories about being stopped by the police? Stopped by the cops. Uh, mm -hmm. I remember that's uh, the Keena Crow episode. Stopped by the police. I also remember yep, she was doing the she was doing the cannonball run and and had the pedal to the metal. Yeah, she did a little speeding, and that was her one of her last times of actually driving herself because. The the stress behind the travel um, <laughs> made her want to have her studio assistant drive her stuff all over, and she flies in and does the show. So that was kind of a, a, a yeah, good segment there. That, and I remember William talking about uh, being stopped by the police and then um, kind of the nerves with that, and then also the guy at the end calling him old man. He's like, if, like yeah, oh. right. If this if this white beard is going to yeah. let you leave me alone, then more power to <laughs> it. Keep a little white in that beard. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, is that it? Just There just was two? one other memorable story. It was Mickey Cunningham got pulled over by the police because she was driving home from a show once, and her two little kids, Rako, who was also on that episode, Rako you could tell they wouldn't stay in their seats they're climbing all over the back of the van over the display Ooh. and the police saw this and had to stop her and say get those kids strapped in the back of your car please <laughs> <laughs> keep her honest okay cool what else you got on history right. douglas which guest told us the story that their medium abruptly changed course when the class that they wanted to take was completely full and the mm. placeholder class that they took sent them in a completely new direction. That was your wonderful talk with our good friend, Helen Gottlieb. Yes, she was. She yeah. really wanted to do figure drawing. She thought that's what she was going to be a figure drawer and printmaking yeah. changed her life. I remember that one because I, I had an experience in my own life that uh, I remember blowing off a class and, and our teacher telling us that we could not go see the guest illustrator, C.F. Payne, mm. because uh, we were in a class and we had to sit down and do this children's illustration class. Mm. And I packed up my stuff and I left in the middle of the class and I got a grade doc, but I use that technique every time I hit 
a, a new piece of painting wow. uh, that I learned from CF Payne. So yeah, that's um, been a common theme with us throughout this all the episodes of how something a shift like that comes and it really kind of propels us to the next stage. Everything good or bad is propelling us to the next step in life. Yep. It all does. All right. What, you got any more? I do. Uh, which guest is the child of an artist? And when they were young, it was their job to go throughout town and stuff the mailboxes with their parents' postcards. Uh, well, we've had a couple of children of artists, mm-hmm. correct? Because yeah. Ryko is one. Is that her? Is that the one? It was Margolin. Margolin okay. Vanderhart, the uh, oh yeah 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 understanding the digital marketplace, which makes sense because she's so good about how to put yourself out there, how to market, how to how to really be a business person regarding yeah. her artwork. So yeah, very cool. And if you've not listened to that one, I uh, might want to go back and and check out some of the business. I had to listen to that one in segments, almost chapters, um, because I was like, oh, I can't do it. And then I go back and listen to it a little more. Yeah, right. You can do the social media piece of it and then go back and That's talk right. about the mailing list part of it. It's it's a lot of great, great information and tips. All right. Which guest compares doing things the same way every year to her grandma's ham? No clue. That's Chris Dahlquist. Was it really? She uses that in one of her uh, career mentor classes, talking about doing things the same every single year just because you've always done them the same way. And she says that... There's a story about the woman who's cutting the ends off her ham and putting it the roast in the oven, and somebody asks, well, why are we doing it that way? And she says, well, Grandma always did it that way. So she goes and asks Grandma, well, why do we do it that way? And she said, because it didn't fit in my pan, so I needed to cut the ends <laughs> off. But the person making the ham now isn't using Grandma's right. pan. They just cut the you know, I love that quote. You know what, Douglas? That uh, quote about ham reminds me of a quote that's coming up in this episode today where uh, I talk about Ray Alphonse telling me about ham. So uh, a little something, a teaser for the talk that I I deal with Dylan. A little tease. When you hear that quote, think back to this uh, this moment right here. I only want ham, Douglas. (laughs) All right. We're getting to the end of my list here, so so hang in there. Uh, Which artist painted their van with the title Jimmy Buffett or Bust the night before the concert? That's our good friend Carol Swayze. I know that Carol one. Carol Swayze. That's uh, right. Man, I was thinking about her just this past week in Austin. I saw some great live blues and a blues legend. I uh, got to meet Jimmy Lee Vaughn face to face. And, and uh, Carol and I are always kind of teasing each other with, with different music that we've seen on the road. So, um, yeah, cheers to Carol and happy holidays. I know this is a tough one for her. Yeah. Love you, Carol. All right. Next one is which of our guests referenced the novel The Midnight Library regarding the Book of Regrets as a reason for seizing opportunities whenever they arise? Was that Reese Witherspoon, my my talk with uh, (laughs) Reese's Book Club? Quite possibly. It was our good friend, art fair fixer herself, Cindy Lyric. Right on. Very cool. I hung on some of the dirt on Cindy's. I didn't. I didn't remember all of the uh, the other little pearls she dropped. That was her defining reason for heading out to California and taking on Salcedo because she didn't want it to be one of those things. She said, "I wished I would have done." That's awesome. Even though things didn't go as she had hoped. Sure. And she shared a lot of the details about that experience. She's still the pearl out of it. Was she doesn't want to live her life 
with putting things in the book of regrets. Yeah, and just think of all the things she learned uh, when she took it to her next stop, which is Fort Myers. She's gearing up for a big show this coming uh, spring down there in Fort Myers. So thank you, Cindy, and good luck with the show, and can't wait to hear all about it and hear how that one goes for you. And here's our final question, Will, and mm. maybe process of elimination. You'll figure out which guest hasn't been uh, hasn't been featured yet. But which of our former guests did we talk to on their birthday following an unfortunate zipper accident? Ah, it's Big J McDougal in his uh, <laughs> salmon-colored capri pants. Cindy McDougal, we promise. We wouldn't air that that part of the episode, but we had we couldn't end the year without at least referencing it. Okay? Absolutely, and you know I I just referenced his pants, but he's got some of the best pants in the art show game. Uh, he boy, I talk about having money and in, in lucky socks, and and that man's got some money and some pants right there. He <laughs> always right. looks sharp. Yeah. Well, uh, you guys, this has been an amazing season, and we are planning a season two. We're going to take a couple of weeks for a break, and we'll launch on January 17th, season two. And we just really appreciate everyone listening and being engaged this year, and we've learned a lot from each other. Yep. Uh, who knew this would, would continue the way it has and take, and take on a life of its own? Uh, I appreciate you and your, your editing skills and uh, pouring over these interviews and making us sound good. So thank you to Douglas. That's a, that's a huge uh, – I like to talk. I like to just have ideas. And, Douglas, you are the man that has made this thing happen. So uh, Merry yeah. Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy New Year. Thanks for this project. Happy New Year to you as well. And you are. You are the spark and the the humor and the fun that makes this uh, this thing work. So thanks so much for all your inspiration. Uh, yeah. It's both of us. You're very kind. We really appreciate all the listens and all of the engagement. And there's one thing we'd like to ask is if you are so inclined and you are enjoying the show and you want to help us spread further, please just go on to your streaming service. If it's Apple, Apple's one of the big ones. And give us a review. The more reviews we get, the more Apple picks it up and they will start spreading it to people who artists who want to get into this industry and that sort of thing. And this will just help spread the show on to people we don't personally know. Yep. Uh, comment on our things on social media. It helps uh, the algorithm there that we learned about from Marjolyn Vanderhart in episode two. That's right. um, all sorts of things help us. So any way you can spread the word, if you hear a great interview uh, that you want to share with your friends, please do so or comment or uh, drop us a line or a question on the Facebook. We always like to uh, respond to our listeners and, and further the conversation. Let yourself be part of the convo as we take this thing into the next year. This episode, we are airing the second half of your talk with Dylan Straczynski, and he's going to talk all about the film that him and Helen worked on together. Yeah, the movie is going to be aired at a couple of different festivals up this coming year, and we'll make sure to tell you when you're able to watch that online and stream it. Uh, but man, it's a cool talk, and it's, it just digs down deep into the interesting characters that exist on the art show circuit. Yeah. Just talks about the people. Yeah, that's really cool. So here it is. Here is part two of your talk with Dylan Straczynski. This episode of the Independent Artist Podcast is brought to you by Zap. 
the digital application service where artists and art festivals connect. Well, I've been getting notices from shows this week that I need to jump on and pay for my booth, but I'm not at home at my desk. So I really enjoy that I'm able just to flip open my phone. <laughs> flip open your phone. Do you have a flip phone, Doug? I and, guess and so. Does Zap work on your flip phone? Because <laughs> you that's impressive. No, but I turn on my phone, I log into Zap, and I'm able to buy my booth right there on the spot, and I can make sure I get that double booth or that corner booth I'm looking for and I don't get stuck somewhere I don't want to be. Quit talking about double booths because if those shits are sold out by the time I come to get to them, I'm going to be mad. (laughs) (laughs) I sure do appreciate that with Zap, we're able to keep up on our business with the shows on the road using our mobile device. Well, let, let's talk about that movie officially, because yeah, yeah, yeah. I know there's a lot of people that the only reason they're going to listen to this podcast is so they can hear me talk about that movie. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's <laughs> the only reason anybody's tuning into the podcast at all and just hopes that, they're gonna, that we're going to talk about the movie, right? Yeah. Even if you're not on, we're just, we're just, oh, I just hope they talk about the movie. Yeah, yeah. This, this will, by the way, this will be the very first time I've actually had a public full conversation about it nice you know a little tiny thing here and there like i i we had a had to tune in to a on a zoom call at a screening out west you know maybe a month and a half ago or something and that was real brief but i I think for the general public just get down in it and talk they don't know and and, yeah and i know yeah okay so let's talk about it so yeah you did a um first of all it's it's called the life that we make correct yep let mm-hmm. you introduce it. I don't need to talk about it too much, but uh, it just just getting down into the art show world and talking to some people that you you admire and and we all kind of know. Yeah. Well, that's not what it's about. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it looks like it's about. Right. And that's what it's superficially about. What it is about are some very interesting real life people who I know who I think you should meet and they just happen to all be artists. Yeah. That that's what it's about, you know? Uh, and, and I say that kind of half joking because I've always had this impression that people were expecting it to be like this. It's the, the art, art fair confidential, the tell all the, how, how to do an art fair. Right. And, And who's the, who's the big, the big earners and how you can do that. And that's not what it was at all, you know? And I should say that the people that you see in that movie were very, very specifically the subjects because partly because they were people who I just socially had a comfortable access to. And that's really important because you'd be surprised how often people aren't so excited to like have a camera in their face and, oh, and oh, talking yeah. or a microphone. Then, <laughs> right. So we're and then, definitely and then, running into that too. And then there are the people who are kind of the opposite. Yeah. And they're not necessarily ones you want to talk to, but I chose those artists because they were very interesting people who could, I, th- I thought would, would really, uh, they would work in front of the camera. They were artists who seem to reflect through their art and their attitudes about their art, something that presented the show artists as a 
it's like a, a a fine art with a higher stature than the fine art world and academia will will generally acknowledge. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, kind of, I we didn't, touched on that a little bit. We did touch on it a little bit. And and obviously those aren't the only people that do that. No, no. You know, there are, I could I I could have made a similar movie with a whole different half a dozen of people. Yeah. And in fact, there are there's the whole other movie with the artists that we didn't put in the movie. I bet. And often the only reason that they didn't make it was uh maybe like my photography was particularly bad on those interviews or the audio was strange yeah. or they, they didn't, they weren't quite comfortable enough in front of the camera. Yeah. Um, like <laughs> I did anybody like, come to come to you. Well, how come I didn't make it in the movie? Uh, actually maybe only one or two people, <laughs> you know, that was it. Sure. it what the, the one I kept waiting for, honestly, like, uh, you know, Matthew Cornell. Yeah. He likes to talk about art, you know, sure. and he's, he's very confident and he's, he's, he's a, you know, he's, he's got a sizable ego, you know, and he's a very charming guy. I like, like him a lot. I have several hours that I spent talking with him and about artwork and painting and all of this. And we just, we just didn't end up using it. Yeah. And I, I've always wondered, is he going to give me a hassle about this? And <laughs> he's never mentioned it since. Cause I, I felt like he was really really excited to be in the movie yeah. and we just we just didn't use it he said some great stuff and i haven't watched that footage now in years but what happens um when you do a thing like this is you end up with a whole bunch of of footage and you have to to figure out how to make it into something cohesive that you can watch and I and my my naivete thought that I was going to be able to do that myself. Okay. And there's kind of two things going on. I I knew that that would be was going to be difficult and I didn't think that I would be working on it totally alone for as long as I did. Yeah, that was it's a it's a long process. I mean, it's, and there it's are a, a lot very long of edits process. too. There's a lot of edits, there's a lot of stuff. I and I was about a year and a half into it on my own, just getting bogged down, you know, I would put together these big sequences about things that I just thought were so fascinating and it, it, it just couldn't go together as a movie. Yeah. And I finally just, thank God, I got in contact with uh, Patrick, Patrick mm. Rich, who is the co co-director and editor of the movie. Um, who I, I, it's weird. I've never, we've never met in person. I mean, sometimes I, those, those are the best partnerships. I mean, yeah, I, I knew, know his brother a little bit. Yeah. He was like a guy, a guy I would see at parties. That was, he was kind of more a part of like Helen's younger sister's social circle. And I was just like at a, I don't know, barbecue cookout. I don't know, whatever it was. And I was like, Oh, Hey man, how you doing? And then I'm talking to this guy and he's like, what, what are you up to? And we went back and forth and, and it had been weighing on my mind. And I was like, well, you know, really, I've been, I've been working on this, this movie, this documentary about art show artists, and I've been trying to edit it now for about a year and a half, man. And I'm just, I'm just really bogged down in it. I don't know what I'm going to do. It's, it's really tough. Mm. And he's like, well, you know, my brother is a, 
is a filmmaker and an editor and blah, blah, blah. And he's a, you know, he's at this college and he's done all this stuff. And he might say, so this sounds like a project he might be interested in. Wow. I'll, uh, I'll give him your info. And the next day, it was like Sunday, I get this big, long email from him. He'd watched like my little sizzler reel and was all, all about it. And we had this series of long exchanges and phone conversations and we got going. And then, then that was several more years, Yeah, <laughs> you know, because uh, he was doing this while doing other things. He was a, a teacher and then like his father died and he moved. Life. And life. And at one point we had this catastrophic system failure where we lost all the work, oh. you know, and I had to spend thousands of dollars getting it all. Good taken back out of a machine and all this stuff and it goes on and on and you do an edit of a movie and you watch it and it's almost there it's like 75 percent and that's and you when you lost it no well yeah at one point we, we really did we lost that Ugh. that much of it and and i even though i had we both had all of the footage backed up we he had somehow missed like not backed up the project files so the movie itself was gone in this this crashed drive and we had to to pay somebody to restore all that and get it out. It was very expensive and but it saved it was probably an, another extra year. Patrick really, really made it into the movie that it is. That's you know, I amazing did all, all of that stuff. And I I do not wish to put put forth the, the notion that I made that myself in isolation at all. Yeah. You know, it was a real real collaboration with him doing at the, at the end, the, the heavy lifting, That's, you know? So, I mean, what I enjoy about it, besides just, you know, the subject and there are a bunch of my friends on there, mm -hmm. <laughs> but there's a space to it. And yeah, you talk about yeah. cutting uh, Matthew Cornell out of it. I, I don't know where you're like, like it's, it's almost like good music. Um, you know, there, there are artists like, I mean, Everybody he wasn't the only, only one cut, by the way. He was just oh, an sure. example. I'm yeah. sure. But yeah. like like from Prince to Tom Petty, they talk about the space and the music, you know, the space mm -hmm. and the funk, you know, the, the music exists around, but there's a dynamics to it. And um, th those long stretches of, of highway or rain mm -hmm. interspersed between the, the, the interviews. I, that's what makes it to me. And it gives it this, this feeling um, that you actually have of being on the road. And it gives you the feeling of, of getting from one place to the next that I really well, enjoy too. I, I'm, it's, I'm glad that you're, you're talking about that because that stuff to me, that these kind of atmospheric aesthetic elements that make it have this kind of ambience. Mm -hmm was really, really important to me. And it, it, I, I knew that I wanted that, the, this, this space, these, these beats that yeah. are very contemplative. Yes. But I also wanted it to be existing within this framework that was kind of a funky collage of image and sound. And I, I knew exactly what I wanted the movie to look like, how I wanted it to sound. And I explained it to Patrick and he looked at the footage and he, he made that thing. Like wow. it was incredible. It, it was, you know, he did some things that I wouldn't 
weren't my, uh, I wouldn't have instinctively done, mm -hmm. you know, like he introduced that stuff with the split screens, Yeah, you know, and at first I was, I was kind of like, Oh, I don't know. You know? <laughs> and then by the time I got to the end, it, it I was like, no, that that's actually what it is. Like yeah. that, that was one of the things. And I, I was, I was really impressed by that. And, and when I, I, I talk about it a lot when people ask me about the movie, because like, I, I was standing on the beach in Florida at, in, uh, Vero beach. Okay. Mm -hmm. Art under the Oaks. Helen was doing that show and I walked down to the town, down to the beach and I was st standing there, you know, kind of with the sun starting to set behind me, you know, on the other side of, you know, the peninsula of Florida and I'm looking out the ocean and this, this movie, this whole idea, the whole thing just sprang forth from my brain fully formed. Like it, it made complete sense yeah. all of a sudden I could see how these interesting people who all have this art show thing in common could, could be presented in, in a moving picture form and it would look this way and it would have this certain sound. And I, I, I had to get right to work on it, but it took me like a year to be able to, to get started on it. And then that, that process it was so long and to see it, come out on the other end as that thing that that I had totally envisioned that it was so complete wow. it's one of those rare things yeah. where the thing just it, you're like oh I have this great idea this is it I, I will I'm not totally naive you know I know how like I say like my best friend's a filmmaker and I have made like little art videos and been around enough and all of that and, and I knew that it was going to be a lot of work but there's a scope the, and a scale of what you're doing that is so big. Right. That I mean, it had to be incredibly rewarding to have that, uh, to it bring was. it all back home. Bring you know, it, and, totally. And, and finish it up like that. I mean, that you were talking about the beats in it. There are a couple of, of moments in it, and it got my attention. And, you know, I watched it a while back when you first released it, and you had done a GoFundMe so we could watch mm -hmm. it. The, the folks that donated could could watch it for a certain amount of time. Do, do I owe you something? No, no, no. <laughs> okay. you're, you're, I've got a, you gave me a, a nice piece of Helen's print, and oh, okay, and, nice, uh, no, excellent. We're, we're good. But the um, there was a like when I was okay. I watched it the first time around, and and I was. I was going to like, well, I, I should watch it again before we, we talk. And I put it on. And I'm like, oh, I'll just listen to it. Like it's a podcast. It ain't a podcast. <laughs> it's not, it's definitely, it's very visual and it's very, you have to watch it in order to see. But there's like, even at the very beginning, there's a moment where your wife, Helen Gottlieb, another, another fine artist on the circuit. We've, we've mentioned her a couple of different times, but Helen is kind of waiting for the rain mm -hmm. and there's an anxiety of that we all know that is of, of that. And you can see the wind blow her hair just a little bit. And it's just like, mm -hmm. oh, here it comes. And it's just like, Oh God, it's just, it is powerful. And it, it's, I don't think it's specific just to what we do, but we all know that feeling so well. And I don't know the yeah. fact that you were able to give those spaces in it to let it, to let it breathe and to let us smell the linseed oil on, on Joaquin's mm -hmm. house. And, and yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, you can definitely just, you can, you can smell his porch just in, yep. in the flick. So I, I, I don't know if, where, where do you watch it? How do we, 
because we're talking this up. But how, uh, do, you, how do you get well, to watch well, right, it? Right now, um, I'm not sure where we're at with festivals. I haven't seen the schedule. Okay. But, but we've been uh, through the summer and fall. They've been playing at small, small film festivals. So yeah. there, is, there is still no official... Like I can't say, hey, you can watch it on Amazon or something, sure. because we we kind of have to wait for the the festival cycle to to go out, you know, because there's some of them want you know want to want the film to have never been premiered, which it, you know, and all that stuff, yeah. and you can't have pr- already be distributed. You and, like Virgin movies, all. not slut movies. Yeah, yeah, it's it all that kind of stuff. So I I still I can't tell the general public where to go yet gotcha. to see it. But, uh, you know, obviously you watched it. So no ways. Um, <laughs> I can just, uh, I can just tease people with it. You can just tease people with it. Well, and you got to, you got to watch the full resolution version did. too. Cause when we had the, 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 uh, invite screening last spring, I know it was, a uh, we weren't able to stream it at HD and it's a whole bunch of things. There's every kind of footage in there. HD, SD, there's phone cameras, there's some really old little Super 8 stuff in there. There's all kinds of things. Yeah. But uh, no, I'm tremendously proud of it for all the, everything I'm saying. You know, it was it was amazing. But then there's this other weird thing that happens. It's like you work on this project so hard and you get it all together and you see it and it's done. And then you're just like, there, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> you got you a little know? postpartum depression there, Dylan. A little bit. And you're like, no, nah, it's just like, oh, yeah, you, this is this is what happens when you make a movie. Some, <laughs> That's some people watch it. <laughs> people watched it. And they, it's uh, I, you know, once once you're able to get it out to um, mass, uh, I don't know, some kind of streaming or whatever, we'll promote Ooh. it again and, and let people know yeah. where they can watch it because I I think yeah. it's it's um there's a recognition that, that you have when you, you see it. And even if you don't know, you know, the Kempers and the Whipples and um, Joaquin and Janice, it there's, it's a really special connection that you have with the, yeah. with the film, just knowing the, knowing and, what we do. You know, and, and yeah. And I want people to know what we do, but I didn't want that to be the subject. Yep. I wanted interesting people to be, to be the subject you know, because, because I'm a fan of, uh, what I call like real documentaries, you know, that don't have a bunch of reenactments and they don't have <laughs> some sort of political agenda that they're making an argument for. It's right. I like, here is an interesting person and the camera is on, look at this, you know, and that, that goes back to, you know, like, uh, like the Fre- Frederick Wiseman documentaries. I don't know if you ever have seen those, but you right. know, like the titty, titty cut follies and a series of, of just these, these really uh, straightforward documentaries, one called like high school and, and, and all of that. And then he did that one a few years ago in the hermitage. That's many hours long. Yeah. It's just camera in the hermitage. And then I'm a huge fan and this might be the missing link to understanding that movie is that I love Errol Morris's Vernon, Florida. I don't know that. Are you kidding? No. Oh my gosh. It is not for everybody. <laughs> it's offbeat. It's a short uh, feature that he made 
right after that uh, Gates of Heaven. Have you ever seen that? Yeah. It's about the, the pet cemetery that they have to move and all the controversy. Right. It's so strange. But he made this movie about this town called Vernon, Florida. And originally it was going to be called uh, Stub, Stubville or Stumpville or something because he had heard from people in the uh, in insurance or working for the welfare department or something or disability that there was this community in Florida that had a overwhelming uh, population of, of amputees and people that were living on, on disability. Yeah. It, because apparently there was this thing going on where someone would like just stick their arm in a machine and then get on disability and go live in this cheap little town in the panhandle. Jesus. And it really, yeah. And, and he, so he went to this town to live for a while and work on the movie. And then he apparently started kind of getting threatened a little bit. But while he was there, he just became enamored with these strange rural people. Yeah. And he would, he interviewed a few of them. Like there's this guy who's just obsessed with turkey hunting, you know, and there's this other guy who's like a holy roller preacher who is talking about how he got a van for his business because it was time for God to make sure he got that. And then there's a guy, like a guy who has a worm farm and all of this. It just talks to these weirdos. <laughs> That's amazing. And, and I love that kind of movie, Yeah, you know, where it's just, stripped down it's about interesting people yeah. that i want that i ones. like that i want to share with you and if you're an interest you're an interesting person you're not in it i'm sorry <laughs> everybody can't be in <laughs> it that's I, what it is i don't did you have yeah. people walking around your booth like it shows like just just kind of wanted to they're like here i am i wonder if he'll film me yeah. I, I don't know i there were i honestly there were a couple but not not very many it, it <laughs> like, really wasn't like that yeah. And like, a, it's, there's so much you, there could be a whole other movie, which I'm not going to make, don't expect it. But the, another movie with the stuff that didn't make the cut. And like a great example is that one moment in the movie where I'm on the screen, that's not fake. That only happened because I was at Paul Andrews house and I was sitting down to interview him and I, I have spent so much time with him and, and that's the only time you hear his voice. Yeah. He, I was sitting down and he flipped the camera around on me and then started talking to me because he thought that was funny. <laughs> and then I was, and I look like a dork, you know, and I'm like, well, here's what, why I think this is an important movie. You know, and I talk about how it, it is, you know, a, a pure expression of, of America. You know, you make a thing and you go get in a van and you go sell it, Yeah, you know? Um, and that, I really that do was, think that we are that it is the the purest form almost of the American yeah, dream. Yeah. What we're doing, yeah. you know, it's it, it really is, and we're we're probably the best barometer of the economy too. I think so. You know, it's yeah. the, it's it's the canary in the coal mine when when things start to crash. I mean, I remember mm -hmm. art shows going bad right before the housing market went down. Oh and, my gosh, they were weird. Yeah, it just yeah. got really weird. So yeah. No, Man, and that that crash was rough. I mean, that that put me out of business for a while. Like I yeah. did not. I only did a couple of shows. Helen got through it. We were just starting to, just barely starting to do okay. And, uh, and then the crash. It kicked me crash. into doing this body of work because before I was doing this this stuff, I really 
yeah, it was kind of soul sucking, but you know, it, it gave me the opportunity to, you know, have studio time where I actually mm-hmm. was productive. And that was just, you know, kind of a weird kickstart year for me, you know, before, mm-hmm. um, it's like you jury into the Grove and the Grove was the first show of the season. And I'm like, uh, Oh yeah. shit, I got into the Grove. And then you start doing it and it, the ball starts rolling and you're either, you know, you're, you're on board that train, whether you like it or not. Yeah. Well, the thing with me is I, I wasn't, I was totally frustrated and kind of demoralized by it. And I couldn't, like it had been at that point, this is quite a while ago now, it's hard to imagine, but I was so like, I I was so poor that I couldn't like do it. Like I couldn't pay for more shows. I just had to like go do jobby jobs for a while and gradually get back on my feet. Yeah. You know, I sold a, I had a pedal steel guitar and I had been learning how to play it and sold it to, uh, get to afford that first run of shows. Sure. sure. With the new body of work. I'm like, I can't, I get, and I, I sold it. The credit cards were maxed out at the time. And I'm like, I sold that to get gassed by, you know, to go down to the Grove. That's terrible. It was terrible. But then I went down to the Grove and crushed it. So Good. Um, yeah. You know, it, it keeps keeps us going. Have we talked about the movie enough? I feel like it's a big, complicated It thing. is. It's a really yeah, complicated subject. And maybe it, we can go back and, and talk about it again once you do release it, too. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, and we can, we, can, we can stop because it's its uh, its own subject. But, you know, talking again about like, this year was so strange, so interesting, and I, I just had all these revelations about shows that I kind of knew, but were sort of laid bare as everybody was emerging from the COVID thing yeah. and, and having this great time. But I was like this, to me, this is what really explained it. I was talking to somebody, I'm not going to name them. You can, if you want. They, they will, they will know who they are if they're listening. It's a, it's a cool lady. I, I don't care if she knows that. I think she's a cool lady. So, and she'll know that's who I'm talking about. I was talking to this person, this lady, and she was saying how the first time, first show that she went to, they made $7,500. Another person was like, what? That's all you made? Oh my gosh. And do you know how long it was before Helen and I ever had a show that where we made that much money? Yeah. I mean- it was years and years. And I don't know if she'll talk about this when you inter- interview her, but she never won best of show until winter park two years ago. Wow. Like that's so, you know, for us, it has been a long, long, long journey of just plugging away, plugging well, away. Also and, and, in, inventing the wheel on your own. I mean, you yeah. talked about getting into shows at the beginning and not being able yeah. to, like you didn't have a mentor. You didn't have no, someone didn't. who showed you no. how to do it. And I mean, I don't know if you like to share advice, but I like, you know, I, I like to tell, like there's, I was next to, um, next to a woman and all of her work was the same size. And I'm like, where's your, you know, where's your giant piece in the back of the booth that brings you right. in? Like, all you got to do is just do that. And, and she was like, holy crap. If I ever, oh, I, if I ever need I a take loan, that back. I'm going to her. <laughs> You're going to her? Yeah. Right. Nice. That was the one thing that somebody did tell us at our first art fair. This this guy, this old guy, he's not around. I haven't seen him in 20 years almost. 
was doing this kind of like abstract, kind of 80s abstract smeary paintings. Okay. And he had like these these mats that were real elaborate and layered and cut with all these windows. And it was the kind of stuff you just don't see at shows anymore. Yeah. Um, but there were still some of those people around in the early 2000s. And he was like, yeah, well, you know, I have all these kind of smaller ones that I sell and my bread and butter. And then and in the back, you know, I have that big one. It was probably like $3,000 or something, yeah. you know, and, and he was just ex- explaining it. And like, well, that brings people in and like, oh, okay. And that, that was it. No one ever really explained art shows to us we figured it out ourselves one day at a time for years and that's like that's probably who i talked to at the very beginning too like that kind of advice where it's like the bread and Mm -hmm. butter but then i remember talking to um do you know ray alphonse yeah i was talking to ray about that like i thought i had it all figured out and this is Uh, probably (laughs) you know like 15 (laughs) 20 years ago right this is abstract Mm -hmm. painter ray and i mean they're still kind of but um I was like, well, this is my bread and butter. And then this is my, and then he's like, I don't want bread and butter. I only want ham. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and I was like, shit, can you make a living just selling ham? No. It, well, and that's, that's the thing is that I, I think that art shows have become really overwhelmingly characterized by the ham. Yeah. Which is fine. That's, I mean, I sell ham. I, I, yeah. I found, you sell ham. Yeah. And it's like Aaron I, I, Heckenberg says, he's like, well, it's, I, I call it the Aaron Heckenberg model, but Aaron's like, well, I'm set up for big numbers. You know, what's it's interesting about Aaron Heckenberg is I didn't realize until recently, I must have read it somewhere online, that he was a, he was an Iowa State or University of, of Iowa printmaking yeah. department guy. He might be old enough to have been an actual student of Maurizio Lysansky, yeah. who who started that department who's one of the fathers of, of modern printmaking. You know, that's why Iowa continues to be like, like the printmaking place. And you always encounter people that went there. Right. Like, oh, that's really cool. It's a bit like going to the, like the, the writer's workshop with Kurt Vonnegut. You know? <laughs> right. But, uh, but anyway, no, my, our, I should say, Helen and I's printmaking teacher was from Iowa. I mean, he's from Japan, but I, he, he had, gone to graduate school at Iowa and was a, a student of Lazansky's. Mm. So there's this weird little, little piece of lineage that, that uh, we share with him, which I think is probably more obvious with, with Helen Mm -hmm. because of what the nature of her work. But I've never, I've wanted to talk to Aaron about that and I I never have, but, uh, and Lazansky's famous also for this really amazing suite of drawings. They're called the Nazi drawings. Yeah. They're, they're really, they're really intense. They're really cool, but yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll definitely ask him about that. So not Mark Lewanski, but. No, (laughs) (laughs) no, Maurizio Lasansky. Oh, got it. Got it. (laughs) Cool. Yeah. But he's been my good luck symbol. He's been at every good show I've been at, like right across the street. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's, he's a guy who's like at good shows. Yeah. It's, you know what I feel like is as soon as you're making that kind of money, there's like a, it's like, there's a whole other level of responsibilities and things that like, he's the goldfish that's inside the bowl. You're, you're, Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, next size, for next sure. Bowl, so. The people that do like the high, the high earning people that, that have it all figured out, right. you know, who we kind of respect, you know, and, and they're nice people and everything. They, become 
you know, you're starting to maintain quite a sophisticated apparatus for your business. Definitely. You know, and I I would aspire to the the level just below that, you know, where you're not so much on the hook. And I, and I yeah. and that's really that's kind of what we've we've done here, you know, Helen and I, because you know, I am more and more like my my role as the support person in in her enterprise is you know can't be overstated. You know, I'm no, I'm really involved. Yeah, absolutely, and, and, you have to be. Yeah, I mean, she's she's pulling huge prints. She's and, huge prints, and we got to build all that stuff, and everything we do takes two people. Right. You know, how's and, your ego and, handle that? You know what? It's I'm I'm kind of I'm pretty comfortable. I'm getting more comfortable with it, yeah. you know, and it, I think it's important for myself to remind myself that a part of why I've been able to be such a s- strange artist <laughs> is because I, all along I've been there helping with this other thing. Right. But you it's know, it's gotta like, be hard on people. Like I know it's, it's gotta be hard on like Genna who does the background painting who's, mm-hmm. who's an, uh, integral part of of the Gustafenko's mm-hmm. work, and and I know it's right. hard on him. Like they won an award at La Quinta, and it's and they don't even put his name. Yeah, Signy, yeah, congratulations! I or I know, you know, I know it's hard on on uh, like Bonnie Harbston. I know she's very involved in pulling prints with Steve, and she she doesn't get credit either. But oh, there's a certain well. This here's the other thing. I don't that that's what's a little different about my relationship with Helen as far as her artwork goes, like I, I don't make her artwork. Right. I, I, it's not a collaboration. No, no. It could, I could see at some point it could develop into that, but I do all of this other stuff that makes it possible. And I'm, I'm the, I'm the constant ever present second set of hands, yes. you know, and, you know, and like, I'm, I'm usually the truck driver, you know, I'm the reason that stuff happens and, and I'm the bigger, stronger person who gets all in a bad mood and gets it all to fit in the van and (laughs) and all of that, you know, and it's like, I'm always, I'm constantly there. It's sometimes I think, well, I'm not doing that much. And then I think about my time and I'm like, God damn, I did that. That was like, I was that was like a full-time job this month yeah. working on Helen stuff, you know? And is it hard and to, I'm, though, I, when you're like, do you ever do shows where you don't, cause I've done this and I, I'm, it's kind of a loaded question. Cause I know how, how I would answer it, but like where you are not showing at a show, like if you don't get in and she gets in and then you're, you're going and helping sell, is that, a, is that an ego blow or is it, do you just roll? No, not, not at all. Actually. I find it easier to, to sell her artwork yeah. than my own. Like I'm like a bumbling idiot yeah. selling my own artwork. Well, um, you could be a fan and not sound like a cheese ball. You know, you can be yeah, like, "Oh my no. god, isn't this piece amazing that she did?" I can't, right. I can't say that about myself. Um, right. No, it's true. You can't say that about yourself. And and I do have a intimate understanding of it. Right. Like I, it, I have. It's sometimes people are like, "Well, I'm not the artist," but when I say I can answer any question. I really mean it. Yeah. You know, I I know everything about it. Right. You know, I, I I'm like, not quite that way with the jewelry, but I can I can sell some jewels for, right. for Susan. Oh man, it's it's amazing how easy it is to sell jewelry, uh, isn't it? Well, they just they have to work all day they, doing yeah, it. That's the bad part. That's the thing. But I I have a hard. If you time. just roll up, 
you just roll up in there for a few minutes, you're like, oh my God. You just- oh, especially <laughs> honestly being a guy too. I know. It's a know. sexist kind of thing. Like seeing um, how they, if I'm in the booth, a lot of times they defer to me and I'm like, do I look like Susan Elnora? Like, right. like, right. like I, I could just be a fan though and just be like, and, and plus women go all like, you put jewelry on them and they're like, oh, oh yeah, yes. yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, sure. You can play the game. I, I actually, I also think, and I am prepared for, I'm open to people disagreeing, but I, I think that art shows, the art show scene, it really is kind of a women's scene. How so? Uh, I think that the audience tends to be, to be women, you know, you know, more often than not, if you get like that dreaded spousal poo poo, it's because (laughs) of the husband, you know, um, it's usually women together hanging out, buying artwork and they like, I think that that dynamic, and this may, may only be true of one aspect of art shows Mm -hmm. that other people have a totally opposite experience, but I, I often see, like women together out having their Saturday afternoons with the, you know, as friends. And then they get to a booth and there's like another woman there who they think is really cool and makes this artwork. And they, they, that they just kind of all creates this feedback loop of, of, of appreciation and, and spending, you know? Yeah. And, and I think with like me, like I'm kind of like this weird, everybody thinks that I'm like a, grouchy person or something I'm so <laughs> sitting in my booth I'm like come and talk to me you know and and I I see it I just I see a different dynamic that exists well you, know. you do have I mean the Dylan energy is is a little uh I mean my first question I wrote down I was like well here's a you know I rarely even look at my stuff I just once we start rolling oh I just, what is it but my first question do you hate art shows you know I I really uh, like, cause that's God, my, I'm like, I feel like, question. you know, that, and that's kind of my, my instinct when you I'm coming here, we're like, you hate this shit, don't you? You hate us. It's funny. Like, I, I know I, you I don't kinda... like we've, t- we've talked enough, but it's like, you hate us. Don't you? You hate us. You hate them. <laughs> you hate, no, you, hate all this you shit. know what? Actually, I'm glad you asked that question yeah. because, and this all ties into this whole thing that I'm saying about the way that people perceive other artists, you know, artists perceive each other and the way that they, you know, the thing that they're kind of all suffering through together or having a great time together. Mm-hmm. It's that, and I've seen this happen with people when you, it's easy to start to get into this spiral where you, you start to kind of, kind of resent like the audience and the people at the shows. And you have to be very careful. Right. And I have it kind of just leading up to COVID, like my shows weren't so great. And I didn't feel like I was being rewarded the way I wanted to. And I was get getting frustrated with the artwork I was doing. And I and I could tell, I could feel myself <clears throat> excuse me, starting to kind of put that out. Like I knew that that was what was happening. Yeah. And and you shouldn't ever let let that happen well you can and that is i mean that's that's again that's uh to bring up that thing that daryl said to me after he'd seen me like on my you know the only weekend i'd had off in six weeks i had Mm -hmm. i'd done jazz fest with with Susie, and like i was exhausted i i was i was run down and here i am with like 
the best uh, best booth at at Bayou City back in the heyday of Bayou City, and it's like sure. you know, right there on the lollipop stick. Mm-hmm. You know, right mm-hmm. as soon as you walk in, I'm I'm the first booth you see, just on the other side of giant whirly gigs. And he was like, "Why are you are you doing okay over here?" <laughs> you know, I'm like, no, I shoot me. I don't want to do this. So yeah, I'm trying that game this year. I'm trying to do like, I'm looking at my season, like, okay, I'm not doing a show until April and then mm-hmm. I'm not doing another one until June. So I'm going to, Oh, that's, that's nice. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> it'll be if, if April happens, you know, if April yeah, is good, okay. as good as I hope, well, we, we yeah. you know, just kind of right. depends. Well, it's, it's, uh, you know, and I've been talking about that for the last few years is you hit this point of diminishing returns, Yes, you know, and in there, it's so easy to get wrapped up in, I need to be doing a show. Oh, oh. and then you'd start talking to artists and they're like going to these shows and like, why are you going to that show? It's like, I like the party. And I'm like, uh, uh yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Or I'm just going cause I always go and you're like, mm, mm, really? Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm cutting some some ones that I've relied on in the past that I didn't even apply to. So yeah. we'll see how it goes, but it's it's a whole new model for next year. Yeah. Well, the, the thing for me is because I'm spending so much time wor- working on Helen stuff. Yeah. And it's it's great. I don't it it's it's fine. You know, I I'm just glad that that it has that's the way that it has shaken out. But I I do think that I'm going to spend some time very deliberately developing something that's a little bit of a departure from what I've been doing. And I know it seems like I'm always reinventing, but I'm, what I'm always doing is I'm always exploring, Yeah, you know, this, this continent that I've been exploring for the last, I don't know, decade plus. I, th- I think I need to do a little, little re, uh, reassessing you know, because I'm getting, I'm getting tired, you know, you know, and I need to, it's like, if I'm going to go to the shows with the amount of effort that we put in, you know, and you know, like if Helen has a double booth and I'm there with my work and then my show is just kind of so, so I'm like, why did, why did we even, why did we make this extra work? You know? Sure. You know what I mean? mean? Yeah, I totally know what you mean, but yeah, I mean, cause I've, I've been there and, and done it too. I mean, it's, I guess, you know, what I admire about that is that you do have two, two hands at the table. You know, you have two cards, right. two, two, you know, you're, if you got two right. people sitting at a table of five, then you're, you're automatically getting two slices. But if she's doing a double booth and you're putting your energy into that and you have more energy to direct to that, then. Yeah, no, it's true, man. And, and, yeah. and it's, but you'll have more energy of, for the next round too, you know, the next, yeah. whatever the work is going to be. Yeah. And I, I am, it I'm really starting to kind of start to put a lot more attention into, I'm just into like my sculptures. Yeah, I love those, which is, those, the, which is the barn, you know, that you just finished or the house. Yeah, that, the that, there's, house. that there's a show that's at the center center for the visual arts in Wausau, Wisconsin uh-huh. that I'm, I'm in that, it looks like a really cool place. I wasn't able to go to the, I had to ship all that stuff, but I, I have a group of that in a, in a show. And yeah, and the people, everybody asks me about those and I'm like, damn, really? Cause I was just making those for myself. That was a thing that I, so cool. I took, 
that I took, I was, you know, COVID spring. I was like, well, I've got nothing to look forward to. I think I'm just going to do this other project I've had in the back of my mind for a while. And I just started working on it and somebody noticed it and other people noticed it. And unfortunately I had, I ended up having to set it aside for a while to do house projects. And then bam, this year happened and I was in shows and I had to go back and concentrate on my, on the uh, other stuff, my two, my 2d stuff. And I really, I mean, I like, I was really proud of the work that I showed this year. You should have been. Um, Thanks. Great body. But uh, so I'm I, I'm probably gonna spend a little more time working on on the sculptures and I uh, my galleries like my one here in Ann Arbor has a tremendous amount of my work right now, cool. which is, is good. I'd love and, to see one of those. I mean, is that a tricky thing too? Like, if you have do you have to jury? Like to me, it's almost like Nafsker's vessels. You know, when he was mm. selling jewelry and it's like, well, the vessels look like the spaceship that the jewelry arrived in. And I know and, yeah. And people are still giving him shit about whether or not he can show it. It's like, well, look, you're an artist. You can you show a, a sculpture in the center of your booth and, and as part of your paintings to offset them? Or is, is that going to are people going to get there? I don't you know, it does. Well, Whipple does it. Yeah. You know, and he and he juries, I think, often into two categories. And that's part of what I've always loved about you know, uh, looking at John's booth all the time is that he does that. And to me, that is like the ideal. I feel like every artist should show two things like that I, because I'm I interested in the, I love it. I'm interested in the artist world. I'm not so interested in the artist product. Yes. And that's, again, it's like that mentality, that expectation and that I arrived at art fairs with, is why I'm I've always in such a strange spot because I know it's not it's not normal. It's what everybody else is doing, and I, and I one day I wake up and I'm like, oh, that's actually not why people are at art shows right. doing this. Oh, they're this is, these are businesses. Well, you seem to <laughs> like, be what a yeah. moron. Well, I don't know. <laughs> you had a, a, a healthy uh, dose of of self loathing anyway before you the your your teachers all told you that. To hate, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true, man. Oh man, I, you know what? I've been really getting back into comics and stuff too. Yeah, are you? Are you? Are you big still, time? Still, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you ever, have you ever listened to that uh, podcast, the cartoonist kayfabe? No, it's uh, they put out multiple episodes a week, and it's that guy Ed Piscor, uh-huh. the the hip hop history, yeah, yeah, artist. I know him, and then another dude who I don't recognize. And a lot of their episodes, they'll just be like, we're looking at the artist edition of, uh, uh, you know, like Alex Toth or something, you know, like some old storied illustrator. Yeah. And then there'll be a couple where they actually interview somebody. And they had, uh, while I was driving home two nights ago, I listened to an interview with Mike Mignola. Okay, cool. That was cool. And a lot of the times I don't even know who the Well, that's what's good about Marin too. I sometimes I don't yeah. know who he's talking about, but I just I like the I like the long form. I like him, you know, getting down into the dirt. Yeah, but I might I might develop some of that stuff too, because that's kind of like this thing that's always kind of growing in a dish on the side of my laboratory yeah. over here in the books. So, you know, kind of retool my my art show thing and and I have a lot of attention. To, to, to be giving to, to Helen stuff. Yeah. And, and, and that the last thing I'll say about that is like, I don't, 
it's it's odd like a lot of the like you talk about like how is that for your ego and stuff and on the one hand i feel like oh i'm supposed to you know it's just like this very like working class ethic thing it's like i'm supposed to be like pulling in big dollars too just because you are and and that's not the expectation yeah and the the thing about us is like like i don't like people don't realize like we've been together since we were kids basically and and so our whole art fair thing our our whole business our whole experience like what it has become in recent years like no matter how you slice it like that was a thing that we we did together yeah and and who is who is in more of the support position at various times almost isn't even isn't even what it's about like it's just it's just the life that that we made together you know amazing yeah and i mean and that's why you guys are still together too right you know i mean there's not and i didn't expect that there the way you guys seem to be around each other is that there does not seem to be um any kind of I mean, you both have healthy egos. You're both operating mm-hmm. at a really high level, but it doesn't seem to be any ego with each other. Um, I mean, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad it seems that way. It's not with, it isn't with each other. Yeah. It's more, it's usually us like driving in the van for hours and, and me getting really angsty and saying like, Oh, I'm such a bad artist. I, I got to I got to What am I doing now? I don't even know what I, uh, and it, like me just feeling but it's always me more concerned about like the creative thing. Right. You know, well, how do you guys and, support and, each other through that? Cause if you both, I mean, do you, does she get that way too? No. Okay. So she, no. Is, she's just, is, she's kind of the rock. She's, she's kind of the rock okay. on that. And, and it's, it's See, funny even when, <laughs> yeah, even when, like, even if, even if like uh, we go through these periods, if, if I was like doing really well and maybe like she was not doing as well, yeah. Like I still have the same like existential angst about what I'm doing. Yeah. You know, well, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Lynn and John Whipple were talking in the movie about like, well, who gets to be being a, a pissy, pissy angsty yeah. artist that day. And uh, like, I, I, I'm going to have to bring that into my own life. Cause, um, I'll be like I, think checking John, to- I think it's John every day. <laughs> God. Hey, John doesn't feel good about his art. Then what hope do any of us have? No, he's just sometimes amazingly like a crabby, crabby little, <laughs> I, little guy. I, and then maybe you know? that's just the fuel that keeps it, keeps it going then. Just, but then he's not like you go, like you go hang out with them and he's just like this ball of party sunshine. Yeah. But you know, I think that's how it is for, for people. I think I'm probably off in the same way. And it it's like that thing is balanced. It's hard to keep that up, yeah. you know, and it's very hard. It's hard to be your best self when you're at a show, that's true. you know, and, and sometimes you get through it and, and then, and then you like, Oh, you sit down to eat dinner or something and you're hanging out and then like, you're able to like, let it all out and you, and you, you know, we're all complicated people, you know, we're all sensitive people. We're all interesting. And that's, that's why, that's how we all, why we all got, got to be on the street in a tent, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so we've kind of found out about like, what's next for you coming up this year, uh, kind of doing, uh, doing a little self-work. Yeah. I'm going to do a little, I'm just a little self-work, but I'll just like a little retool. Yeah. I really, I really do 
I think I need to take advantage of of the position that we have have gotten into in the last few years to like really reassess and you know do some other do some other stuff. Yeah. I don't know. And then I say that maybe I'll just be like, eh, you know, here I am. You know, I'll probably just show up with more of what I'm always doing. But I, you know what? I hope so. I, I still I love that. <laughs> oh, it's not it's not going away. <laughs> no, not that at all. It's just yeah. uh, oh, God, I just is so funny. It's like I did those shows and i'm like i made all this stuff and i think it's great but i did i did the opposite way i didn't well so done yeah I mean, people want to see what they want to see i don't know if you're following what you want to do it seems like that's what they want to see mm-hmm. well i'm gonna go get ready for one of a kind i'm, su- I'm, I'm oh surprised you're not gonna be yeah there. yeah nice i'm glad uh, i'm so happy not to go to our, i'm gonna we are gonna fly down to art basil next oh week. cool you got anybody that's showing down there? You know anybody? I don't even know what's I. We almost weren't going to go because we ended up being so busy this fall. Yeah. This like the we're getting ready to go out to La Quinta. We it, it was like a month and a half of like starting from zero, just putting all this stuff together. And I still have an unfinished commission that I got going out in the studio that I stopped working on. Yeah. To, to get Helen ready and we worked so hard. And then like my parents moved and so that's a lot of life down. It is a lot of life. And then like two days before we had to leave, Helen's mother fell and broke her ankle in three places. So we had to go over and help her and deal with all this. And just then it just all, I couldn't, I was like, Oh my God, (laughs) like I'm not, I'm not going anywhere. But, but we had, you know, planned on, we already had a place to stay. And then finally when we were, uh shit must have been like two days ago while we were driving home we finally were like okay no that's it we're going on a vacation nice so we got some some tickets we're gonna do that and then i'm not going anywhere until march good for you man i'm uh i got into this artist society thing here that i can pick up a show every weekend if i wanted i obviously i'm not going to but like it's one of these things that like you can go down to the thing and, and you know, people are like, you know, it's, it's not art, what it's like, it's whatever, but there's no expenses. It costs you a hundred dollars to do the show and you can go down and make like two or $3,000. Oh, really? Yeah. And it's like an artist, it, like a market it's just a thing. It that... looks like an art show happens every weekend yeah. and I'm yeah. carried into the society. So it's like, if things get tight oh, between here and April, I can go down and do some shows. Well, that's, that's cool. Does it, does it look good? Like, yeah, does it have, it looks good. Okay. I mean, it, it's right on the plaza. So, all right, my friend, I'm going to get going. Thanks again. It's been a long talk. But really great one. Thank you so much. Hey, right on. Great talk with Dylan Will. I really enjoyed hearing all about what went into making that film. He got into uh, that talk about the movie, and I could tell as we were talking and having that interview that it might be either a two-parter or we were going to have to cut. I mean, honestly, I still think we cut about 30 or 40 minutes. We talked for a really long time, so Mm -hmm. I appreciate you cutting that into two segments. It seemed like an important talk, and just digging down deep into the interesting folks that we meet on the road. It really did. I mean, that transition into talking about... uh about the film it seemed like a good a good segue and begin just making it about that because it is a good chunk of your talk about the the nuances and everything that goes into creating it and i just love it when he says you know that's what you do you make a movie people watch it (laughs) and if that's how i feel with the podcast sometimes it's like we make a podcast we talk to each other 
some people listen to it and you just don't know. You, know <laughs> you never I mean? know. You never yeah, know. you make this little baby and you just kind of put it out in the world and you're like, I don't know, which is interesting to me when I, I start to, uh, you know, it, it went with this podcast. At the very beginning, people would come up to me and say, hey, I listened to that podcast you do. Whereas yeah. now it, it has been more like they just jump into the conversation and, and right. start adding to things that, that you and I have talked about to our different guests. So I've had people walk up to me and just start, they don't say hello. They just start saying, Hey, you know, that thing that you and Will were talking about, this is what I think. And this is what, and it's great. It's almost like they're part of the conversation we're having here on the air. <laughs> and nobody's told you that they don't like your character yet. Oh, <laughs> are you still nursing that wound? <laughs> oh, for a while, we'll bring that one up. I like to beat a dead horse, Douglas. <laughs> I did want to mention one thing. A good friend of the podcast, and it's easier for other people probably to brag on your kids than it is for you yourself. So your son, Oliver Lear, as he's known on SoundCloud, just dropped a brand new album, Gestalt, and it's being streamed for free on SoundCloud. You can listen to that here on the links to the podcast. We're going to be posting that everywhere. You can check it out on our Facebook page. I loved listening to that breaking up some of the holiday music uh, in our house and, and playing that. Oh, I appreciate you listening. Uh, I am a proud dad, and he's been making music for quite a while. And he's a music major, and he's worked on the podcast. It's a beautiful recording. And if you want to get some Oliver Lear in your head that's not just dun, 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 <laughs> here comes Douglas, dun, but it's, it's on that's, there. It, the, the, the song is called Walking, if anyone wants to hear the song without our voices uh, ruining it. I uh, do. <laughs> <laughs> cool. But, so check that out. Thank you so much for lending your talents uh, to this podcast, Oliver. It has been a defining part of our branding and our style and it gets us kicked off every single week so so thank you sir that's right well i appreciate that well happy holidays everyone and happy new year and we will see you in 2022 oh my god let's do it this podcast is brought to you by the national association of independent artists the website is naiaartists.org also sponsored by zapplication that's zapplication.org and while you're at it check out will's website at willarmstrongart.com and my website at sigwithglass.com be sure to subscribe to this podcast to be notified when we release new episodes 